Welcome to episode one of the God Learners podcast, a bod podcast about gaming and reading in the mythical world of Glorantha. I'm Jörg. And I'm Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. Today we have traveled to the Black Allings pub in Johnstown, which we hear is the bad part of town, whatever that means. And we are talking to the pub's owner, Neil Gibson, author of Legion, a Chaos NPC supplement for RuneQuest. G'day, everybody. Hello. Uh, so, uh, why is it on the bad part of town? Oh, that's where all the scurrilous things happen. Yeah, it's uh, and the posh pubs are never as fun as the uh, as the dive bars. Ah, uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, we should say that the um, uh, Tales of the Black Alex is um, your own podcast. We're going to talk a bit about it later during the interview, and uh, that was a, a podcast where you uh, ran a series of interviews of other mm -hmm. Johnston Compendium creators. Um, Uh, but there was one glaring omission in this list of interviews, uh, which is you didn't interview the author of Legion, a Chaos NPC supplement for RuneQuest. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. I think that, that may have been a rather boring interview <laughs> or very, very long either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to try and plug that omission by uh, interviewing you here instead. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and well, first, I'm also going to say that uh, I'm grateful that you kept the Glorenthan podcasting scene alive during uh, uh, during what I'm calling the, the wind stop. Yep. Uh, when <laughs> when Windwards stopped uh, uh, producing episodes. So thank you for that. No, my pleasure. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a labor of love, as I'm sure you'd understand. It's it, a lot more time consuming than people take credit for. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First, uh, we are going to do um, a bit of news and see what happened in the world of Glorenton gaming and reading and whatnot uh, recently. Uh, Neil, what do you have for us? Uh, well, I think the obvious one is the the release, the final release of the hardback version of the Red Book of Magic. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, now, I'm not sure if either of you have received your your copy winged to you as yet. Not yet. No, Canada is a big country, and even though it's in the warehouse, uh, it's it's got a long way to go to the other side of Canada. <laughs> I will have to order it for Christmas or so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, down under, despite um, you know a, a significant part of the Chaosian board living in Australia, we seem to uh, always be lagging a week or so behind on the deliveries to the warehouse. Where does Mob live compared to you? Like, could you drive to his home and just bang on the door? I could, but Where's it would probably copy? take me three days. So he oh, uh, he, he lives in Melbourne. Uh, yeah. And I live in Perth, which is, uh, I think, about 2,000 kilometers away. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are big countries. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> and it's a very, very boring drive, <laughs> let me tell you, across the Nullarbor <laughs> Desert. So, yeah, it's not something we can nip over for. Although I am hoping to go over to one of the conferences later in uh, in October. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, because uh, you people have reopened mostly for the most part. So yes, for the most part. Um, but yeah, to go back to the Red Book of Magic, I've seen um, several people online um, mm. uh, saying that, oh, yeah, the, the cover is is amazing. Uh, the cover by, uh, Mar uh, what's his name, Mark Smiley. Yeah. And, uh, and like, 
that they want it in poster form or whatever. And I want mm. to point out, like, there's going to be a link in the show notes, but you can actually find that cover art on the Chaosium Redbubble store. So you can have it on, you know, on a mug or a t-shirt or even on shower curtains if you, uh, <laughs> if you, if you so want. <laughs> I think that's one thing to point out is that, you know, it's the continuing the the kind of the golden age in terms of design and presentation that it is, it is beautiful looking, like the art in it yeah. is excellent. Um, yeah. I was considering the leatherette version. I managed to, uh, so my core rule book and the Bastari, I managed to get the last leatherette version a couple of years ago. And oh, yeah. I've, I've steered clear of the, uh, scenario books and kept them just the normal straight cover, but I'm I'm umming and ahhing about having the leatherette for the Red Book of Magic. Uh, but then, are you are you going to have like a mix of leatherettes and non leatherettes on your shelves? I Is am. That, oh man, that that would trigger my OCD so bad. <laughs> well, if, yeah, if I, you have I, both, I, uh, no problem. I do. <laughs> though I do like the uh, Pegasus Plateau and Smoke in Ruin. I do, I don't feel that they would warrant leatherette. Yeah. But yeah. I, I the, feel you. I do feel you. I think there's enough mixture on the bookshelf to, uh, I've just <laughs> given my OCD is just given up, I think. Yeah. But the, the problem I have with the leatherettes is that um, you don't have the nice cover picture. Yeah. Mm. And so I'm like, uh, yeah, I want the nice picture. So I, I end up going with the normal um, yeah. uh, hardbacks. I mean, if the nice picture came framed inside the leatherette, I might have been tempted too. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's also like the dust jacket, but I, I've got a love-hate relationship with dust jackets, so I, mm. yeah, I would still be conflicted. Well, interestingly enough, my guide to Galarantha has been going through a phase of dust jacket on, dust jacket off. Um, <laughs> but I just, yeah, to, to find a place for the dust jackets without the books is without them yeah. getting damaged is a bit tricky, but they are annoying, especially when yeah, you're flicking backwards and forwards through there as I tend to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's those jack sets are complicated. Mm. Um, the, the other thing I was uh, thinking about with the, the red book of magic is, uh, you know, how each book now in the RuneQuest Glorenta line has a different rune on the spine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, how many years before, um, Chaosium runs out of runes and has to go dig up all the old Hero Wars runes because there's no more of the normal official ones. Or, or they could uh, really set the cat amongst the pigeons and start using sorcery symbols instead. Well, even the sorcery, there's there's only like the, what is, um, what is it, like six, six, of, six, six techniques, mm. yeah. So that just adds you six six books. Which mm, interesting maybe a couple of years, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, we have a couple of sub runes we can use. Oh, like the series rune stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if they bring back the eternal battle rune, there's gonna be there's gonna be an uprising or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, what? Well, speaking of art, uh, the art for the cards book still is in progress. And yeah. uh, those are some fantastic uh, illustrations waiting for us. Yeah, we get that's what you that's what you get when you ask a French artist. <laughs> yeah, and uh, sometimes I wish that Avalon Hill had just inherited uh, the old Oriflam uh, illustrations. Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> but now speaking uh, speaking of the presence and future, uh, Loïc Musy 
uh, who is now a, a full hire at Chaosium, is doing 170 deities for uh, the cards book, which is mm -hmm. 70 more than get the long descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it may not be the number of deities, but just the number of illustrations yeah. that he does. So there's probably like 70 side pieces yeah. uh like we saw a orlanth versus yelm um historical thingy so yeah uh, then uh, of course we have the giant monomyth piece by agatha pithier yeah. french french represents which is uh yeah people people jokingly have called it uh where's uh waldo <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah because uh yeah yeah is everybody on this uh, image? Uh, plenty, of course, several times. Yeah. Oh, like, is there? Some of them are present several times on the on the piece. It's just like yeah, there are a couple of events uh, which uh, feature Orleans and Gam. Oh, okay. Yeah. For example, and yeah, I, I imagine that uh, people are going to overanalyze that uh, giant picture for quite a long time. Yes. <laughs> Probably worth a uh, book in itself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Prosopedia, which is the alphabetical list of Gloranthan deities and heroes and whatever, is also getting illustrations. I don't think every deity will get one because uh, mm. I don't think anybody can afford that. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, so it, yeah. the illustrator there is Katrin uh, Dirim, uh, Dirim uh, or Dirim, uh, no idea yeah. uh, where she's from. No idea. Well, Catherine, if we uh, if if you're butchered your name, you can you can yeah. yell at us. <laughs> so I think um, we had a, a conversation a couple of months ago. I think she was in France or Germany, but that was right in the middle of um, of COVID. So mm -hmm. not yeah. sure where they've ended up now. Yeah. Well, so the the hello. prosopedia is it going to have like more? Gods listed than the main cults book? Yes. Um, the old Prosopedia in the uh, Avalon Hill Gods box uh, had, I think, 20 pages worth uh, about five to seven uh, deities a uh, page. Mm -hmm. So uh, huh. it had uh, mentions like uh, the Ford's gods or Marchioni um, Ascended Masters, mm. called Saints at the time, oh. and so on. So uh, oh. It really touched. Nilis uh, oh, uh, is showing uh, is showing his old Glor Gods of Glorenta books there. It is. Nice. It's one of the original ones that I've managed to, to hang on to. Oh, yeah. nice. Uh, so your booklet is still intact? Um, it is, and the Prosopedia as well, um, oh. which is very, um, I think budget <laughs> would be the word. <laughs> well, I, I think that was the Avalon Hiddle production values, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so no. It's more. It's a very much an index and just like a summary of each of them. Yeah. Well, which is sometimes enough to uh, go, on go, a go on off a tangent. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people are looking forward to that uh, to that cult book. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah that's, definitely. That's scheduled for the winter solstice. Well, I think that's going to include something that I do feel just hearkening back to the Red Book of Magic. That you know, that's a great list of the rune magic and spirit magic spells, but there's no link to the cult, so it's not easy to, no. you know, to link them yeah. back. Which you yeah. know, um, it's probably on purpose. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, the Red Book of Magic is basically the alphabetical excerpt of, of all the spells from this book. Mm. Yeah. And if you want to get super meta, uh, because like uh, Austin Conrad released on the Johnson Compendium, the um, uh, indexed list of spells from the Red Book of Magic, uh, classified by Rune and all that. So you can get the uh, uh, rune-based index of the alphabetical index (laughs) of the spells of the cult book. I'm uh, I'm waiting for somebody to make uh, an index of the of that rune spell item on the Johnson Compendium and see how 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 deep we can go in the in the indexing. Endless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, important books, um, there was so uh, Jeff Richard, uh, the uh, head, the brain that holds the entire Glorantha right now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been uh, sharing a lot of interesting tidbits on Facebook mm. on the RuneQuest uh, group. So lots of cool, you know, uh, tidbits from upcoming books or just notes and uh, stream of consciousness, that type of stuff. And there's always some good comments in there. Uh, one of those that were shared recently was a, a list of uh, what he calls A0 and A1 texts. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, um, well, at first, you know, being European, I'm like, uh, A0 text, that's like, that's a big, that's a big book. Uh, but he wasn't talking about the format of the paper. Um, and it was like A0 text are the foundational text and A1 are um, the, I guess, secondary foundational uh, texts. And so, for example, um, Guide to Glorenta, uh, Glorenta source book, uh, the upcoming cults book and, and stuff like that. So those are all, according to Jeff, the foundational books that are going to carry the uh, Chaosium Glorantha going forward. Um, and it was interesting that first, um, the old board games, White Bear and Red Moon and Nomad God, are in that list of A0 uh, mm. texts. So that's Which I believe of, they're uh, getting a, a re-release yeah, yeah, probably next year, I suppose, mm. for the first one. Maybe Nomad Gods the ne- year after. Never say next year. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, just uh, at the same time as uh, Masters of Luck and Death. Mm. But uh, the other interesting thing is that uh, King of Sartar, for example, is only relegated to A1 because um, well, first it's... Yeah, it's it's on purpose, I suppose, a uh, unreliable narrator type yes. uh, book. Um, so it's interesting because uh, I often saw people refer to that mm. text and and say like, oh, you know, this is this is it. But yeah, the re- reliable, unreliable parts already are in the guide. Yeah, or in the source book. Yeah. So um, the most reliable parts already are in the A zero document. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what uh, that's what Jeff was uh, hinting at uh, there, and I think a lot of the other books that are not that are still like the A zero or A one books that are not in print right now are um, in the pipeline somehow to uh, be re released. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's the the board games or the um, um, like 
uh, I think Troll Pack is going to have uh, an RQG version. I believe Pavis and the Big Rubble as well. Um, yes, being yeah. released as well. Yeah, it's in it's in there as an A one, but um, but yeah, we're still waiting for um, Robin Laws to finish writing it. Mm. Uh, the new version. It'd be interesting to see what they do with a re-release of Troll Pack. Um, I was rereading that the other week actually, and whether it will just be a a rewrite to be within mm-hmm. um, RQG, whether it will be a reimagining and have a lot more extra stuff in it. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it, it feels like every um, every re-release because like all of those Gloranthan game supplements have been re-released multiple times every time they get expanded, and so <laughs> for people who have been with Glorenta for a long time, it's always like, oh, you know, there's a re-release. Oh, there's a few new yeah, bits in it. True. So that's cool. Yeah. But uh, for the newcomers, it's like get hit with a, uh, you know, 300-page <laughs> book of deep mythical religious lore about troll gods. And it's like, holy fuck. It's like, ah, what? So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a tough act, balancing act, I think, between uh, how much accumulation there has been over mm. the years versus uh, being still friendly to newcomers. Yep. And at least you know it's good content. So um, yeah. a, a re-release and a and a bit of a an update, I think, is it's a it's a good idea. And, and you're completely right that it's targeted to the, to new players. I just uh, I only wish I could be as virginal again and then enjoy it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'm a, a bad example of a new player because I, I pretty much started with the guide to Glorenta. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, very deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I started with the Gate to Glorita, as in, I uh, um, I flipped through the pages, uh, emitting various uh, sounds like, oh, ah, <laughs> uh, but uh, not quite reading it in detail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's like this- a delicious. Delicious smorgasbord that you can just keep dipping into every now and again. Um, I've yes. definitely haven't. There's no way I've read it from cover to cover. But as you kind of concentrate on different regions, um, especially I've been going through the wastes recently and just finding those little. It's like a, yeah. a massive volume of tiny little scenario um, seeds. Yes, it's great. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, David Scott organized a read-through uh, a couple of years ago on, of mm. the first book. <laughs> yes. That was uh, quite a good way to uh, go through the Ganatelan places. Yeah. Maybe there's another podcast series in the in the wings there, maybe book series <laughs> calling us. If we did, uh, <laughs> if we did an, an episode on, on, you know, five pages at a time, we could, we could last for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have any uh, other newsworthy or interesting items of things that happened recently, Neil? Um, I'm not, I don't know how interesting it is, but you've obviously got the sale of on the Johnstown Compendium at the moment with the price rise for the premium books. Oh, right. Yes. Um, which? So was, was it uh, was it a 
like a coordinated effort between all the JC authors, or is it just no, like no, some it organic was, thing was, that happened? No, it was completely drive-through RPG driven. So they sent out a message oh. to anybody that had a, a premium color book and said, yeah. we're, we're running a sale. Do you want to be involved? Um, opt in and opt out. So, um, Okay, cool. I see. Yeah. So we, yeah, it, it feels, um, it, it feels to me like there's, um, a book apocalypse going on between, <laughs> between, uh, the, the drive through RPG premium color books, mostly, um, well, mostly going away. Cause I think uh, a lot of authors are uh, going to go to standard or even stop doing POD. And on the other side, the, uh, hero quest books going mm. out of sale at chaosium because the, that's it. The license is, is gone now. So it's like, yeah, it's like got to buy everything right now. <laughs> is, are, are they on Jeff's reference list as a one at all? Any of those, or are they completely absent? Uh, uh, they are. So let me double check. Um, so Sartar Kingdom of Heroes and Sartar Companion are in the list of A1 texts, but oh, yeah. mostly until the Sartar yeah, Homeland good. box is released. And mm-hmm. then I think that will supersede it. Yeah, which brings that makes sense. Yeah, which actually brings me up to another uh, piece of new uh, news uh, items. Mm-hmm. Uh, the future look of the Sata of Sata and the uh, new uh, oh, yes, yes. Because uh, up to now we have been playing the Hicks and the Hills. Yes, <laughs> uh, our clan. There's a neighboring clan. Let's raid them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, now we are finally introduced to the urban side of Sata. Mm-hmm. Sata, the capital of the uh, uh, trade route between the north and the south. Yeah, and um, and, and not only that, but I think also introduced to a more um, cosmopolitan. Well, um, cosmopolitan, but I, I wanted to talk. Um, to go back to your mention about like, you know, there's our clan, there's the next door clan and yeah. we raid them. Um, now it feels like it's more like there's our clan, there's the other clans of the tribe. We have the king tribe and we go raid the other clan in the other tribe. And so there's there's this extra, almost like, um, um, uh, I always go back to the comparison with the, the federal agencies in the US, for example, <laughs> there, there, you know, just like you have the FBI and the US Marshals and the CIA. Now you've got all those uh, things operated at the tribal level. Yeah that we didn't quite get with all the other things previously with um yes. yeah the hero quest sartar and the yeah. king of dragon pass game and all that so mm. um so it's it seems like there's um uh there's more organization and and um civilized uh society than yeah than the the hillbillies raiding for cows yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. I was actually shocked when I was looking at the illustrations for uh, Inside Sartar Companion and Sartar Kingdom of Heroes. When you look at the the kind of overview, bird's eye view of some of the cities like Johnstown and stuff like that, which really looked like just like, you know, three twigs and four um, tree trunks put together and a couple of huts <laughs> uh, but now it's actually going to be proper you know ancient world cities with mm. multi-story um, buildings and <laughs> walls and things like that so it's it's quite different so I don't know 
Um, I don't know what you what you guys think about that, or because uh, I know some people are complaining about um, these shifts. Yeah, um, I I think I was already complaining about the lack of uh, urban starter uh, when I <laughs> when I drawn the Runquest daily ages ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and was only slowly pulled into the clan game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So yes, uh, I always thought that uh, urban or Lanthi were a thing, or should mm-hmm. be a thing in Groranta, but mm. yeah, they were quite rare. Mm. Outside well, of so you're, so you're pretty happy about the the new the new take then? Yes, uh, well, my happiness already started with a glimpse of Win, uh, of Swanstown and the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, that image which we already overanalyzed. <laughs> <laughs> was is is it um, that was the image from the French version of Renquest, no? Uh, no, it's uh, when um, Vasana and Peturian's caravan uh, are in the role. Oh right, yeah, in the market, <laughs> in the role book. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's good. I mean, like I frankly started educating myself on you know Bronze Age societies and cities only because I had to uh, GM RuneQuest and, you know, like yeah. many things in the role-playing games, you actually learn a lot about history just by mm. running games. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was quite surprised by how, how big and dense those cities were already like back in, you know, 2000 BC or whatever. Yeah, mine, mine Luckily, so, sorry. On. I was going to say, so my partner um, in Legion Games, Drew Baker, who's put together a couple of the John Sayer Compendiums uh, publications, he's actually uh, an archaeologist from that period. Um, and so it's it's a really good source of information to have, you know, feedback because, you know, I, I know some history, but we're talking, you know, secondary school, high school history. Uh, and to really get an understanding of, what what things they were doing within the cities and what facilities they actually had and uh, you know agriculture is a real eye opener. So I think you're right that you're learning that p- component of history is really enjoyable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. My reading list included stuff like uh, Sprague de Camp's uh, Edge Cities, mm. uh, the testimony of the spade for Nordic archaeology. <laughs> and uh, Oliver Dickinson's um, Sex and Violence in the Bronze Age. No, uh, that was only the working title. <laughs> uh, something about the Aegean Bronze Age. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you've seen that. Uh, one. Which is a quite scientific book, but uh, it has quite the distribution in Bronze Circles. <laughs> mm, cool. Well, since uh, Neil talked about uh, Legion Games, I think we can. Um, but going into the proper interview of our guests. Yeah? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> so, um, the, um, the, the classic first question for any uh, RPG podcast is to ask the guests, uh, how did you get into RPGs? Um, so I first encountered RPGs in an after-school um, 
session where some of my friends said, oh, you've got to come along to this thing and, and play this crazy game called Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it was it was a bit, it, and this was in the 80s, um, early 80s. Um, it was a little bit confronting at first because obviously you had a lot of different characters um, playing it a lot of different styles but luckily my very very good friend from the uk um me his brother um drew who i mentioned earlier on and another friend of ours really kind of gelled in our playing style and uh, we had a couple of sessions of dungeons and dragons um and then his big brother rocked up and uh plopped the second a generation of RuneQuest down and said, you have to stop playing Dungeons and Dragons and play this. And <laughs> right from the very first game, we were totally hooked. The, the hit locations and the dismembering of limbs, that really spoke to my uh, 12, 13-year-old self. It was, yeah, it was, it was really, really great. It, it felt like role-playing really came alive. It, rather than the Dungeons and Dragons sort of, playing a board game you know it was very yeah. very mechanical and these these are the things that you fit into runecrest really introduced role playing and just completely opened it up for us it was a revelation it was great mm-hmm. cool and so and did, did you play um rq2 in glorantha then yep yep so we uh, um, th- so th- because like rq2 Famously, has only like what four pages about the world of Groenta or something like that. I think that was uh, is that not RQ three that went into the mythic world? I think RQ two was still RQ two uh, had mostly Groenta references. Yes, uh, it has a very short world description. It has a little bit more on the cults of Ornans and Kaiga Alito. but yeah, yeah uh, let it be twelve pages of uh, so, so like what. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious what your Glorantha looked like back then, basically. Well, um, so as many of us um, older original role players have done, at, you know, now with a bit of extra cash, we've kind of recreated or, or regathered our libraries. So this, this is the the game that I played. So it's the, Ooh, the uh, box set, English cover, request. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Games Workshop version. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so for us, so weirdly enough, you know, we talked about Sasa earlier. We played Dragon Pass and, uh, sorry, we played Apple Lane and mm-hmm. Snake Pipe Hollow. But Ooh. for us, the, the majority of the time that we played was 100% Pavis and the Big Rumble. So that, oh, and sorry, no, tell a lie. We also played a lot of Balazar. So um, mm. we spent probably two years playing a campaign that a friend of mine ran um, in the Elder Wilds and Balazar um, and around Griffin Mountain. That's That nice. and Pavis are the two things. So we didn't actually play in Sartar very much, which I think is probably hmm. quite unusual. No, I think yeah. that's typical for the early RuneQuest, really. It all happened in Prax. You didn't yeah. mention Borderlands. Did you play those? No, we didn't. Uh, for I'm not quite sure why we didn't. Um, no, we, we. I think just because the big rubble was so sandbox that it just, you know, there were only one or two campaigns or scenarios. Ours went on. Oh, we played that for three years with the same characters. It was it was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> nice. um, then I suppose we also played a bit of Cthulhu. Um, we we went through a phase of playing Bushido. For some bizarre reason, I'm not quite sure what happened there. We played that for a while. We'd, we would play um, things like Car Wars, 
which Ooh. is an old um, Steve Jackson game. Yeah. Did, um, did you back the the Kickstarter for the new version? No, I completely missed that. Weirdly enough, I only kind of got back into the RPG world uh, just before. Um, it was just when the last RuneQuest came out, the big, thick, I'm not sure what edition that would be. Is it RuneQuest 6? Um, oh, the yeah. Mithras-y like the Mithras type one? Yeah, the myth, yeah, the one that became Mithras, yes. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, leafing through that and, oh, yeah, I remember RuneQuest, you know, <laughs> it was a good <laughs> few years. Uh, and then suddenly um, RQG landed and I was hooked straight back in. <laughs> like an um, old junkie. That's right, yeah. Oh, I remember the feeling. I have tried to indoctrinate my children into playing it as well uh, and had yeah. some success with, in fact, weirdly enough, exactly for the reasons that hooked me in. So literally drawing at every hit location. They love the different shaped dice. So we had tiny little battles. I then tried to play them through, um, the, is it the Snow King's Bride? Uh, one of the solo quests. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, which one is it? It was there's there's a couple of them. Yeah, the Snow King's Bride. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't didn't gel with them at all. Uh, and I mm. think it's because uh, you know we're competing with Skyrim and Fortnite, which is it's the McDonald's <laughs> of fantasy, basically. Yeah. Uh, but maybe I think just I've planted the seeds. Who know? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But then Skyrim, of course, has some grunt and ancestry as well. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Bold Home is in there, more or less. Um, hmm. But anyway, um, so do you have any um, uh, uh, regular game going on right now? We do. So we did. Uh, and so uh, we started just before COVID. Uh, we didn't have any in person. We've been playing Roll20 right from the very beginning with this group. Um, mm-hmm. For the last two and a half years, I've been getting up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning to play with a group that are in the U.S., Finland, the U.K., New Zealand, and the Eastern States of Australia. And that is the sweet spot of time that we have where those three hours, you know, before 6 for me is a little bit scary and sort of after 3 a.m. in the U.K. starts to get a bit obsessive as well. So we've got a nice sweet spot. Um, I had to... So I was running a campaign for a while, set um, playtesting some of the campaigns that we'd written around Pavis uh, in in the new time period. Uh, but the other game uh, that's on a hiatus currently because my children play sport and uh, completely conflict with my Sunday morning, which is a little bit annoying. But that will kick back in in the summer. The other game is an RQ3 Mythic Wales game that's been uh, gen by um, our good friend Glenn, who's in New Zealand. And that's great fun. Totally different to RQG. Punishingly difficult. Uh, (laughs) You know, things like when you're doing spirit combat or power versus power for casting spells, it uses magic points, not power. So after you've flinged out a couple of spells, suddenly it becomes a totally different game. Um, but good fun, really, really good fun. And starting with characters where if you've got forty percent to hit, you're you're a rock star. <laughs> yes, cool. So yeah, um, so that that's the only game. Although I am hopefully starting up an RQG game at our local gaming um, 
there's a there's a place in Perth called the Dice Club that runs regular just random games and rents out the mm-hmm. different rooms. So I'm hoping to kick off RQG there, but I'm probably going to wait until the SATA box set comes out, or at least the starter kit, and then just run them straight from that. Okay, yeah, not not think- from the. Not not from like Broken Tower and the Game Master Pack. Um, yeah, no, I probably could do. Um, I feel like you know, even from a Chaosium marketing perspective, if there's something that people can buy that's a starter set, I think there's yeah. the likelihood of people. I don't want to rock up to the session with a glide to Garantha and, and <laughs> scare everybody, scare everybody off back to yeah. Pathfinder and. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I had I had good success with the Broken Tower a couple of times, and I I really like that as a quick start. Um, yeah, but, um, cool. Um, so Legion Games, mm. talk to us about Legion Games. Um, yeah, so, you, you released a book called Legion. Yep. So back in September last year, uh, we released Legion to mm-hmm. great success, which is really surprising and massively encouraging it was really really fun to produce um then drew has come on board and started doing his um rubble redox series Mm -hmm. and also a whole heap of um quick and dirties that he's been working on Um, and from that we we formed the company and have been working on um so one board game idea which is kind of relating to the world of glorantha um, and we've actually got two in development which have completely nothing to do with role-playing or Glorantha. <laughs> um, so we just formed a company, which is like Legion Games, to put that under under that umbrella. Cool. Nice. For the uh, Glorantha stuff, um, mm. so you, the, uh, it's interesting that you had a good success with um, uh, Legion because I think I remember uh, Steve Dural saying that books of NPCs are the ones that sell the less of any yeah. uh, RPG line. So yeah, <laughs> what, did, what, did you do, what did you do well then? Well, you know, I think he's right. If you look at foes that, you know, r- right down to the font and fangs as well, it, it's obviously computer generated and just pumped out on what would have been a dot matrix back then. You know, there's no flavor to them. And yeah. I very, very specifically wanted this to be something more as a not a book of um enemies but a book of what we would call big bads so the 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 kind of um protagonists that are always going to crop up against characters and and have something for them to really aim their um their hatred at you know it's a a book of nemesis really yeah um if nothing else Um, why bruce Oh, I I love brew. I think they're they're one of the things that really hooked me in back in the day as well. Um, completely vile, massively overpowered, really fun chaotic features that the, the characters you know they it's a bit of a random pick. You never know what's actually going to happen when you come up against them, which I think yeah. is part of the fun. Um, you know, even and if you, you don't do know what you're going to get out with too. And even if you do manage to kill them, they're probably yeah. going to, you know, give you some disease as well. Diseases are always hilarious within role-playing as well, which is why we, so we put in uh, a few more diseases into the mix um, just to mm-hmm. kind of spice things up. And some of them have been, you know, really, really funny in the playtesting, um, especially the, the shrinking one. 
Um, and also the, the dermal glue as well, which is always good for a laugh. And so nothing too serious, but really gets people into the shit. Sure. But one of the things I wanted to do with um, the Legion, in fact, I'll take a step back. So the, the reason I even did Legion in the first place is because um, I was writing The Flower Girl, which is part one of a campaign that we're putting together, and mm. I got stuck on the stat blocks. And it was just driving me insane. So in the end, I spent a bit of time and started creating a bit of a process in the background to be able to create um, stat yeah. blocks um, pretty easily. Mm. And from that, it basically um, gave me the foundation to to create Legion. So originally, it was just going to be a whole heap of brew that we were putting into the Flower Girl, um, and then it turned into something a bit bigger. Uh, See, it, it, would, it would have been easier if you uh, went the computer-generated route. <laughs> so, uh, yes and no. So they, it, it is semi-generated. So what I do is, um, so I've, I've written a, a PHP script to actually generate the, the brew, mm -hmm. but the core of the brew. So I'll still go through and fine-tune the aspects. And if nothing else, it kind of gives me a bit of a, a bit of a template to then expand upon. What I didn't want to do is just have that fangs series of, you know, of, yeah. of stats, but yeah. I wanted to develop them into, into actual characters themselves. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, created those seed characters and then they just grew out of that. I mean, those uh, computer generated things uh, had, a, had something of an evolution with Chaosium as well. Mm. When we start with the Creatures of Chaos, where we got, uh, I think, uh, pages of identical uh, scorpion men. <laughs> and were, were they identical? Yeah, um, uh, the goons were all identical. And I, uh, when I have a computer generator uh, to do that, why have them identical? <laughs> <laughs> well, you use the computer to do copy-paste, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, and from there we went to uh, quite uh, quite a bit more character uh, creation uh, as in Rune Masters, yeah, which still still has some uh, oddities like uh, zebra riding uh, trolls and uh, elves. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think maybe Legion is closer to Rune Masters. Maybe Legion is, uh, I think, a step even from Rune Masters uh, to the more modern uh, stuff where we get some motivation, some. Um, Oh. Uh, interaction between characters so uh, yes uh, now we get a book of uh, characters and antagonists rather than just a stat box mm -hmm. yeah I mean stat blocks are nice uh, I, don't, I don't know how much I use I got from those uh, Viking NPC booklet uh, in Ruka 3 carried me through most of my uh, gaming there it's I mean the the whole thing about stat blocks is that <laughs> As, as a GM, I don't really use them. I, I, I just do the on-the-fly assignment of, you know, what does it feel, what does feel correct for this NPC or for the story? I always picture the, this kind of chicken and egg thing where are you making the NPC powerful because mm -hmm. you need an obstacle in the story at that moment or do you... Uh, or, or or vice versa. So that that's why like the the narrative approach of Hero Quest always uh, struck me as basically the same thing. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, and and even like for example, Jeff Richard will say that yeah, you don't you don't need to to make a stat box, but 
he still says that he needs to make the entire stat blocks in the published games because there are some other types of GM who actually want the entire stat block. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so Neil, like, are you did did you come to this because you're one of those GMs who actually want all the stat blocks because you don't want to have to think about it too much during the game, or or was it really like when you say you had to you were blocked on the uh, on that for your campaign? Uh, was it because you knew you had to make the stat blocks to publish it? Um, yeah, probably the latter. So my GMing style does, I do like to have stat blocks written up. Um, yeah. If nothing else, just to keep the GM honest, you know, because there are times <laughs> when, you know, there'll be a wacky role or, you know, to have the, to have the parameters that you're dealing with an NPC. And not, not all, you know, if you're... Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to write up and know what the the, the the Johnstown guard, what his speaker's role in is. You know, you don't need to go down yeah. to that mm-hmm. nth degree. But I do think there needs to be some kind of framework in terms of stat blocks. Yeah. Um, and if mm-hmm. nothing else, if somebody reads one of the Brew Within Legion, I don't expect them to follow each of the different stats, you know, to the rule but it gives them a much broader aspect of what we're trying to achieve with each one, if that yeah. makes sense. And I mean, as, as a GM, you can always uh, think up the reasons why these uh, antagonists aren't at full strength or if they are too weak, just add as some. There's a strength in numbers in RuneQuest. Mm, yep. <laughs> and, you know, as we know, even the smallest trollkin can take down a Rune Lord. You know, it, that's one of the beauty of RuneQuest is it, it, it is often about the roles and sometimes there are outrageous things that happen just in as in real yeah. life so yeah, it's good to have yeah. that kind of grounding even more so since we all move to roll 20 and roll 20 sometimes is really really weird mm. <laughs> it was, it's um, quite strange i thought roll 20 was really going i missed the feel of the physical roll of the dice and i thought that yes. that was going to be a big missing part of the whole experience but you do actually get used to it, and I don't mind it now. And and it's it's it is, even though it's laggy, it gives you that sense of anticipation as, as you're seeing the, the stat rolls come up. Yes, yeah. But one of the big things I also wanted to focus on with Legion, which is something I always loved with a lot of the other publications, and especially with the new ones coming in now, was the artwork. And my goal was to to basically spend as much money as I was making on the artwork. So mm-hmm. that's why we started off with um, a few full color pages and a bit of incidental art through the book. But then as the sales mm-hmm. actually came in, the goal was to have a full page um, character spread of each of the rune level brew within Legion, yeah. uh, which, which we got there in the end as well. So, um, yeah, cause you, you, yeah, you have, uh, you have a pretty good artist. Like I really like that style. Um, uh, the, yeah, the illustrations are really good. Yeah. yeah. So that's by a guy called Tom Connell, who I found on ArtStation. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, so good. Had n- no experience of RuneQuest or Glorantha at all, but has yeah. really kind of run with it. 
So two of the books cool. that we were in the process of working on before other things came in and kind of blocked their way. One was we were going to do the second part of Legion, which was going to be called The Dark Men, which was oh, yeah. specifically about trolls. So we had a lot of test art with the trolls and they looked so good. Um, mm. But then with Troll Pack coming out, we kind of changed tack um, and we're now concentrating on doing a book or around ducks. So not necessarily. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so before before everybody starts making a face. Uh, so one of the things. That, so from Legion, I wanted to, for want of a better word, humanize the brew. So I didn't just want them to be cannon fodder. I wanted them to have motivations. I wanted them to interact between each other and actually have a reason for being. And I think that. Ducks also have gone into that kind of much maligned category of a bit like Trollkin, where they're their comic relief. And, you know, some gems, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. fine. That's great. I, I like my Glorantha, which may vary, to be based in, <laughs> in realism. And mm-hmm. what I wanted to do is really put a focus on, on the ducks, which I do actually think are a really good addition within RuneQuest if they're from my perspective, done properly. And we've done mm-hmm. a lot of test art for the ducks and have sketched out this book. And it, I think, is going to be really, really cool. I think it nice. will convert some people who are um, quackist and duck naysayers to, uh, to turn <laughs> them around. But are you running into, into issues with the stats, though? In what way? For varieties? Uh, yeah, because like the, the scale is, is much uh, smaller for ducks and they tend to be um, uh, uh, low powered and, and yeah. Um, no, I think because as long as you focus on them having a, a logical pathway through skill progression, I mean, stats are, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're not going to get a 1d6 damage bonus anytime soon. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, but I think the capacity for them to be fully fleshed out members of Glorantha, I think is, mm-hmm. is certainly there. And we know as yet we haven't, we're, we haven't encountered anything. The goal is to have two um, separate locations. So one is your classic Sartorite duck who's, you know, downtrodden and has gone through the, the duck hunt, for want of a better word. Yeah. But then the other one is um, Ezreolian, more cultured ducks. Um, and now we we are not going the Donald Duck anthropomorphic Daffy kind of duck. We've gone mm-hmm. more the Bastari style of duck where you've actually got the different breeds. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't all look the same. Their, their plumage, yeah. for example, we've um, we've put in uh, a bit of background where the different types of plumage dictate their status within their, within their group or within their clan. Mm-hmm. So something with, um, you know, with the, the shiny feathers are, the kind of noble, noble yeah. cast. So yeah, we've 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 thrown a few ideas around, and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Basically, coming out with duck pack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quack pack. <Nice. laughs> Quack pack. Yeah. Um, so um, if I'm trying to summarize all the books you have coming, maybe or that that are in the pipeline, you have like 
duck books. You have the dark man on hold. Yep. You have that flower girl campaign that you're yep. writing. So the flower girl campaign is a three-parter. So the first part, yeah. which is called the flower girl. So the campaign is called Into the Wastes. Um, yeah. The first part is the flower girl, which is set uh, around Bullford, which is just north of Pavis in East, okay. Scrith- yeah. uh, West Scrithia. Um, around the Paring Stones, that kind of region. So mm-hmm. what we've done in the book is to uh, detail Balford, give it a full um, gazetta around that area. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just finishing that up. The second part, which is yet untitled, but is going to be set in Indigos, which is East Scrithica. Um, and then the third part is going to be set around the ruins of Jennet's Garden in the Wastes. Oh. And so, what with, is is that uh, the the first part of that campaign? That's the the next book we can expect from Legion Games. Then, or is there something else that will come up uh, first? Yeah, I'd like to say yes. Um, I've got a few other things on which I can't really talk about at the moment um, <laughs> that are in in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, but Flower Girl's probably ninety ninety percent. Done. Like all of its nice. art is pretty much done. Um, there's a few issues with the scenario that I just want to tweak as well. So your Dark Men, uh, the board game which we've been playtesting, oh, yeah. the Duck yeah. Book. Uh, we've got another standalone scenario set around uh, an abandoned Shalana Oroi temple called um, Last Ooh. Stand at Lonely Breeze, which again is nice. um, it's a smaller uh, smaller scenario, but we were looking to release yeah. that as well. Well, those tend to do well on the JC, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of stuff to do in between uh, driving the kids to sports. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of publication, um, yeah. um, you're, you're producing some POD books. Mm-hmm. Uh, how um, how much extra effort is that? Um. Well, luckily for me, that is essentially my day job or part of my day job. So I run a digital agency here in Perth. So we do um, web development, graphic design, um, digital marketing. So, yeah, I know InDesign like the back of my hand, although I must say Mm -hmm. I did have invaluable help from Nick Brook on negotiating the, the POD specs which look ridiculously scary but once you get into it they're actually pretty pretty standard uh, as long as you can get your head around um ink levels and <laughs> that kind of that kind of fun stuff then you're you're all good but you know it is it's relatively easy and you know like i said you've got nick brook who um who's been amazing in um helping to get it produced cool it seems to be the hard part is getting to Electrum before uh, <laughs> before you can produce it. Um, should we talk about your podcast? Sure. Because you also do podcasting in addition to all that yeah, stuff. I know, right? It's um, <laughs> Well, so we started podcasting. We started recording actual plays back in, oh, would be late 2018, I think, 2018 early 2019 um and some of those were mammoth like as you would have seen i mean we're talking six or seven hour sessions um which was really really good fun but editing them um even though we had everybody on their own audio channels and you know people had fans and barking dogs and when you've got six people playing it's it's a mission to edit um so i 
Well, we actually had quite a few episodes before I just went, you know what, this is, you know, I'm, I'm having to listen through six hours of gameplay. Um, so you're talking 10, 12 hours sometimes to edit it and get it out. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that that uh, got shelved <laughs> relatively quickly. Um, oh, so it got, it got shelved. So you, the, the game was still going, but you just stopped correct. Uh, recording it? Yep, cool. that's yeah. it. Um, and, you know, it was, I didn't know how much interest. We were getting a fair, some decent numbers. Um, hmm. But, you know, it's very hard to know the difference between a download and who's actually listening to it you know yes yeah, yeah so that's a tricky one so when we put out legion i really wanted to talk to some of the other uh, authors and get a bit of a connection and a community going um mm-hmm. so and there was a little a little bit of overlap with windwords and i thought that you know you had the news cycle wrapped up and that kind of yeah. thing and but i thought there was quite a good um opportunity to talk to the other authors and to have a bit of side promotion for legion itself as well um, yeah. And those I've really enjoyed. They're much, they're much shorter, much less editing. Um, <laughs> you know, we can do it over over Zoom or Discord, and and the production is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty listable. Yeah. I think they are anyway. Um, yeah. But no, lucky- it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. I I listen to all the episodes, and and it's um, it's really interesting to see where all of those authors come from. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. But there, there's a lot of similarity, but there's also a lot of you know divergent opinions and backgrounds. So it's pretty. Yeah, it's it was a really really good experience. Um, but like you said, things do get in the way. So we've had a bit of a hiatus as well. But the, the plan is to come back, um, hoping towards the end of July with a, a whole heap of other recordings. Um, and since we've spoken to them, you know. Um, Andrew Montgomery's had his new um, Company of the Dragon come out. Simon Fripps mm-hmm. had a couple of new um, books coming out as well. Plus there's a few people that are authors that I haven't managed to, to get hold of or talk to, which I'd like to as well. Yeah, so we're going to, like, um, when do you think you'll start interviewing those authors again? I'm hoping hoping July, once we've got a, a few other deadlines, deadlines out the way, we'll, uh, we'll cool. start it off again. Well, looking forward to that. Uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes. For sure. And yeah. we also wanted to then start talking to the artists as well. Um, so not oh, just yeah. the authors, but people involved as well. So expanding nice. it out. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> awesome. Okay, I think we are coming up to uh, the end of the interview. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked yet? Um, no, I mean, if anybody hasn't purchased Legion yet, it is on. It is on sale. Just a bit of promotion there. We're, oh yeah, uh, go for it. We're less than sixty copies away from the legendary gold status as well. So really, Ooh. really, I mean, the big goal for me, very selfishly, was just to get a copy of the printed book, <laughs> uh, which I've I've done. So anything now is really, you know, is a bonus. So. But yeah, and thanks really for everybody's support and who's actually bought it. It's been it's been really really cool. Yeah, it's, but, it, I mean, I can't, I can't show you because my collection is up there uh, upstairs. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I got it. it. I got it. But it has allowed us to you know put money into artwork for the next books. So it's yeah. it's, it's really um, and I think that's what the majority of John Stankopinion 
authors have done is it's really just funding other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that anybody's going to be uh, retiring on the money that comes in, but it, it takes the pressure off yeah. and really lifts the game for some of the artwork that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, yeah, uh, recruiting artists uh, may become a bit more of a problem. Yes, although they have put together um, a bit of a, um, a well, I'm not sure what they called it, but it's basically a list of suppliers. So people who um, will offer to do artwork for cuts of the publications or ones that will just want to be paid straight up front. Um, but there's some really, really good options for for good art. Okay. <clears throat> So, yeah, one uh, traditional uh, thing we ask our interviewees is, uh, what question didn't we ask you? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> I think we covered quite a lot of ground. Um, maybe which, what I'm most looking forward to in terms of Chaosium's upcoming catalogue. Oh, yeah. What is it? Um, well, now I can't even answer my own question <laughs> because they're all so good. But definitely looking forward to the start of box set, which is really going to be the first box set of the of the new generation of Ringquest. So I'm yeah. really excited. The starter pack looks amazing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm really, really looking forward to that as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to buy everything from Kiosium anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I came from the Call of Cthulhu site, so I've got uh, also all of the purchase um, going on on that side of the company. So. Well, and Call of Cthulhu always seemed to have, whether it's just, <clears throat> but it always seemed to have a higher um, art standard compared to some of the, whether it's just because of essentially a different company doing it, but it now has reached a similar level. And both, both game systems are really, they're quite stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, to wrap it up, on your podcast, you always ask your um, interviewees to state their runes and uh, and deity. I think yes. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to ask you that. What what are your runes? So this this is a tricky one. Um, I think, I think <laughs> you, you're asking it to everybody on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's much easier to ask than to answer. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, I, I, I was thinking about this, you know, talking f- purely from a, an actual reality perspective. I think my runes would probably be uh, Fire Sky being down here in Australia, um, Water being an, an avid bodyboarder, and, of course, I'd have to go with Mastery as well. So Mastery, Water, and Fire Sky, <laughs> which I'm not sure. Would, is that a cult? Is there a, a cult that has those runes? Um, sounds a bit like Tanian, uh, you know, the fire that burns the sea. Ah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Never heard about this. No, uh, <laughs> well, the Fireberg epic uh, of, of the God Learners, the men of the sea, uh, who, three men mm. of the sea who fought the Vertagi, summoning uh, the. Remember, Jörg, I, I just skimmed through the Gate to Glorenta, just going, ooh, ah. Uh. Yes, but well, <laughs> yeah. we're called the God Learners now, so... Uh, yeah, I'll have work. to do some research. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's homework for the next episode. I'll have to uh, oh, yes. find out as well. I mean, that's why I have Jörg. He's, he's a walking Gate to Glorenta, so... <laughs> Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Neil, for um, 
letting us stop by the Black Alinx pub. It's been my pleasure. Uh, make sure you clear the tab before you leave, please. Otherwise, the Zorak Zoran bodyguards <laughs> will be coming after you. Oh, wow. Zorak Zoran's in the middle of Johnstown? Yeah, they, we've got a very lucrative contract as, as bouncers. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, there goes a chance for, uh, for Shadow Walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. Well, thank you. And um, we'll see you uh, in the Black Links when those episodes come out and on the Johnston Compendium. All the links are going to be in the show notes. So uh, anybody listening to it should definitely uh, check them out. Thanks very much, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>